But I want to start um, this morning by opening up in a word of prayer, and I want to uh, have us turn in our Bibles to the book of Judges, and we're going to be over there in the book of Judges in just a moment. But I want us to to, to, to truly just uh, enter into this with a, with, with, with a heart of prayer. It's a short message this morning. It's it's. It, I mean, look, you know, you go through and you start, uh, you know, you do this for a few years, and pretty soon you think that you start exhausting things about mothers, uh, and you start thinking about repeat messages and things like that. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you this: um, there's there's some great principles that we see from examples in Scripture, and in Judges chapter 13, we're going to find some good examples. Uh, we're going to find a great example in Manoah's wife, Samson's mom. And uh, I want us to focus on that this morning, but uh, we need to enter into this with a heart of prayer and a desire for the Lord to work in us. So let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful to be here, and Lord, I'm just thankful to be here on this Mother's Day. And Lord, uh, each one of us has one. And Lord, regardless of the relationship that we have with them, I pray, Lord, that we would just receive the instruction that you've given to us from your word this morning. Lord, we would not despise it, we would not turn away from it, we would not disregard it, we would not hearken unto it, but Lord, we would realize the impact that we have in a person's life. And Lord, I pray that we would just be thankful today for all that you've given to us, that Lord, we would be thankful for those mothers that care for us, that instructed us, that taught us, uh, that continue to lead us and guide us, and Lord, may we be very grateful for that. For those, for those women that chose to live a godly example in our lives. And thank you again for this time and opportunity, and may all of this be pleasing and honoring unto you. And this I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. In Judges chapter 13, <clears throat> and in verse 1, it says this, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. Seems like a repeating pattern. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah in the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now thou art barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo... Thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. And he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Then the woman came and told her husband, saying, A man of God came unto me, and his countenance was like unto the countenance of an angel of God, very terrible. But I asked him not whence he was, neither told he me his name. But he said unto me, uh, Behold, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and now drink no strong wine, or drink no wine, nor strong drink, neither eat any unclean thing, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb to the day of his death. Then Manoah entreated the Lord and said, unto, uh, and said, My Lord, let the man of God which thou didst send come again unto us and teach us that we shall do unto the child that shall be born. And he hearken, God hearkened to the voice of Manoah, and the angel of God was coming in to the woman as she sat in the field, but Manoah, her husband, was not with her. And the woman made haste and ran and showed her husband and said unto him, Behold, the man that hath appeared unto me, and it came unto me the other day. 
Manoah rose and went after his wife and came to the man and said unto him, Are the man that speaketh unto the woman? And he said, I am. And Manoah said, Now let the words come to pass. How shall we order the child? And how shall we do unto him? And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She may not eat any uh, thing that cometh out of the uh, cometh of the vine, neither let her drink uh, wine or strong drink, nor any unclean thing. All that I commanded her, let her observe. Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, I pray thee, let us detain thee until we uh, shall have made ready a kid for thee. And the angel of the Lord said unto Manoah, Though thou detain me, I will not eat of thy bread, and if thou wilt offer a burnt offering, thou must offer it unto the Lord. For Manoah knew not that he was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto the angel of the Lord, What is thy name, that when thy sayings come to pass, we may do thee honor? And the angel of the Lord saith unto them, Why askest thou thus after my name, seeing it is secret? So Manoah took a kid with a meat offering and offered it upon a rock uh, unto the Lord. And the angel of the Lord did wondrously. And Manoah and his wife looked on. For it came to pass when the flame went up toward heaven from off the altar, the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. And Manoah and his wife looked on it and fell on their faces to the ground. But the angel of the Lord did no more appear to Manoah and his wife. Then Manoah knew that it was the angel of the Lord. And Manoah said unto his wife, this always gets me, we shall surely die because we have seen God. Guy's freaking out. And here comes his wife and talks him down from the ledge. But his wife said unto him, look at the logic behind this. If the Lord were pleased to kill us, he would have not received a burnt offering and a meat offering at our hands. Neither would he have showed us all these things, nor would he at this time have told us us such things as these. I mean, there's common sense there. I mean, you know, here he is like, oh, we're all going to die. And she's like, no, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. And the woman bare son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtol. And here we've got this wonderful miracle that takes place. And we have, the, you know, the angel of the Lord coming and speaking to Manoah's wife and begin to instruct her in a certain thing. And this morning's message is a simple one. The title of it is, is, you know, a mother's life in consecration to God. You know, here, here she is in Judges chapter 13. This is Samson's mom. Her name is never mentioned. She's called Manoah's wife. That's it. Now, now that, that doesn't disparage her in any way, shape, or form. Because what she did was amazing. I mean, obviously she talked Manoah down from the ledge in his fear. But she had this very keen desire to please the Lord. She had a desire to fulfill the will of God in her life. And here she is never having a child. And, and, and now she gets to have this child. And this one is, is again, just like with Samuel over there in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Uh, and now this child is going to be consecrated to the Lord. And, and that's, that's what Hannah did over there in First Samuel um, when she's praying. And she makes a vow and she says, no razor's ever going to touch his head. So he had him perform of a Nazarite vow. And we find the same thing here with Samson, that he's going to be a Nazarite. Now, being a Nazarite was something that was a bit of a difficult task. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Judges, <clears throat> or not Judges, Numbers, Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6. The Nazarites were, were a group of people 
that would come about, they would make a vow unto the Lord about living a life that was completely consecrated to him. And they had certain things that they were to do. And we find here in verse 2 of Numbers chapter 6, it says, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, Whether either a man or woman shall separate themselves to vow, vow of a Nazarite to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink, and shall drink uh, no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes or eat moist grapes or dried. Nothing. Nothing that comes from the vine. He even goes as far as as, as saying, you know, you, you can't even eat raisins. Can't even eat the husks. I mean, you go over to some countries over there in the Middle East and in, in the, the Macedonian, the, the, you know, the Athenian Greek areas, they have dolmas, which are, you know, these things that are wrapped in, in grape leaves. That's a no-no. Can't eat those. And he says, all the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is made of the vine tree from the kernels, even to the husk. No grape seed oil, which is fantastic for you. None of it. Nothing. He says, all the days of the vow of separation, there shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled, in the which he shall, uh, which he separated himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and let the locks of his hair of his head grow. All the days he separateth himself unto the Lord, he shall come at no dead body. He shall not make himself unclean for his father or for his mother or for his brother or for his sister when they die because the consecration of his God is upon his head. All the days of his separation, he is holy unto the Lord. And here he is, he's going through all of these things about what they're supposed to be doing. Now, now we just got through a little bit of it there, and I will tell you this, you know, it's important to mention that, because as you went through the life under the law, there was a lot of things that made you unclean. Not necessarily because you chose to do it, not because, you know, people over there would eat pork or eat shrimp or something of that nature, uh, but because they would come in contact with stuff. There's certain things they would come in contact with and not knowing, not knowing till afterwards, uh, accidentally coming in contact with a leper, accidentally coming in contact with a dead body. Uh, all of these things, he begins to address here how this stuff works. And if we look at this, we look at the life of a Nazarite and we go, man, that's a totally different lifestyle. That's a totally different lifestyle. Now, some of us may not care for grapes at all. We may not care for grape juice and we may not care for grape seed oil or dolmas or raisins or, or, or whatever it may be or eating grapes or anything like that. And, and, and you would be like, I could totally live that life. But the idea is living a life of holiness. You know, the, 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 this hair was growing specifically so that he would, if you will, bring some humility to his life, some humbleness, some shame. That was part of what he was doing for that purpose. Now, obviously, with the women, they didn't they didn't do that. They weren't cutting their hair in such a way. But but we see that the guys were required to do this. And it could be a man or a woman that made this Nazarite vow. But we find that the Naz- the life the life of a Nazarite was not convenient in that day and age. It was not convenient at all. And what we find here is even though Manoah's uh, uh, wife, her name's never mentioned, her actions and her words speak an absolute volume to her character of who she was in her devotion 
to the Lord. Because she had to follow all of this too. In order to, 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 to do what the Lord is asking here, these commandments, her directive, she was to raise the child as a Nazarite. She had to go through and she had to teach him and do some things. But, but when we realize what a Nazarite is, we realize there's a lot of things that are going to impact that, that child and, and when he grows up and is, becomes a man and what he's supposed to be doing. And we see here, if you go back over to Judges chapter 13 and verse 5, it says, from the womb, from the womb he is being called. That means as that life is in the womb, amen? Look, life, look, let's be honest here. Scripture makes it clear. Life doesn't begin when you breathe your first breath. Life begins in the womb. Because what difference would it have made? What difference would it have made? I mean, here she is. She's living this this life. I mean, if it's just a clump of fetus cells, then who cares whether she's drinking strong drink or anything of that nature? But he's going to be called a Nazarite from the womb. It means that she had to start when he just gave that commandment. Even if you will, pre, pre, preconception. Well, let's think about this for a minute. Everything that she did was going to affect that child. So whether it was from the point of conception all the way till Samson's death, he was to be that Nazarite unto the Lord. Including those nine months in the womb. He was separated unto God. That's a person being separated unto God according to Numbers chapter 6. Now that vow he didn't make himself, but it was one that was decreed upon him. It was one that was decreed upon him. But this is from the womb. And here, here it is, and God is setting aside Samson, setting aside his life for use And the whole purpose behind it, as he says there in verse 5, is to begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. He wasn't even going to finish that work because he was going to die in the process. But he was to begin that work and to begin that deliverance. Now, there's a lot of typology with Samson and Jesus Christ. But again, again, we understand with typology, typology only goes so far and then it falls apart. So that in certain points, there's typology that is here about being a Nazarite, about being called, separated unto the Lord, this, this holy vow that is being made, uh, the deliverance, these things uh, being called from the womb, conception, stuff of that nature. We see some things about that that are, have some parallels that are there. About the Lord using Samson to do these things. Now obviously Jesus Christ is far greater than Samson. Because Samson was just delivering from some some evil people. Jesus Christ came and he delivered us from our sins and from death. And from the grasp and the control of the devil. And praise God for it. We have forgiveness of sins through him. We have a home in heaven because of him. And he is the savior and he finished it. Praise the Lord for it. But what we find here is in this typology that here he is, he's meant to be called to a holy lifestyle. 
a holy lifestyle. And, and I kind of want us to think about this for a minute. Moms, your child, whether, whether they're old, whether they've aged, and whether it makes you feel older now, whatever it is, you know, I, I, in a couple of days, Abby turns 21. I'm like, where did it go? Where did it go? It goes fast. You got little ones? Treasure it. But treasure it in holiness. Teach them what is right. Teach them these things that, 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 that if they've trusted Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are consecrated unto God now. They're His. They're just on loan to you. They belong to him anyways. We have to approach it with that mentality. And you're given such a huge task. And in today's day and age, people, you know, and the Bible talks about it, you know, mothers not having that natural desire to do those things. And we see that happening and we see that occurring left and right. And here we are, we look at this and we go, praise God for a godly mother that teaches Scripture. That teaches Scripture. Because this is what she had to do. And I want you to think about this before we even start looking at that element. I want you to understand the sacrifice that she had to give. You know, obviously, here is the directive that she receives from God saying he's going to be a Nazarite. And by the way, you're going to have to do these things. That required a great deal of sacrifice in her life. Over there in Numbers chapter 6, we just read a bunch of things that they couldn't do. I mean, those things that we see over there that, that are specifically of the vine were necessary. That's how they ate. That that, that would be the equivalent of saying this in, in, in today's modern society. You can't have any sugar or salt. You know what? That would be a massive change to your diet, wouldn't it? I want you to think about that for a minute. If you were to eliminate salt from your life, you're like, um, that's not going to be pleasant food. I mean, salt seasons. Salt, salt enhances flavor. We like salt. I mean, that's why we go to Taco Bell. <laughs> when it comes with the sodium warning on the side of it. <laughs> I remember a few a few years ago that Jack in the Box was producing this this triple monster burger or whatever it was. I don't know what it was. It had like three three patties of meat, three uh three levels of bacon and three cheese and sauce and everything. Thing was that big around. Thing was massive and on there it came with a warning saying that if you have high blood pressure or you have a cholesterol issue, you have heart disease, you know, it, it got all these warnings on there, you should not eat this thing. Because if you ate it, it consisted of your entire calorie intake for the next two days. And you're like, oh my word, what are, you know, it, it, it's just, look, no sugar, no salt. You ever try to have bread without sugar? Introducing flatbread. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 just think about that. How, how much of an inconvenience would that be? How many of us would, would swear off coffee? Because we couldn't have the sugar in it to sweeten it out. 
How many of us would cry because we couldn't have our rock star and our energy drinks? (laughs) We couldn't go to Dutch Bros. Man, wouldn't that be a horrible thing? I I say all that to, to, to get to the point of, you realize how much of an inconvenience this was? This was part of their day-to-day life. This was what they eat. And I want you to think about this here as we look at this. She had to make a sacrifice because she had to perform the things of the vow without making a vow herself. She made a choice. She made a decision. She said, you know what? I'm going to be affected by this. Now look, Manoah also was going to be affected by it. I mean, it would be very terribly inconvenient to have to make him a separate meal. But guess what? He would have to make his own food. <gasps> Men, you should be capable of making your own food. And all the ladies said, Amen. Amen. <laughs> but you understand? I mean, you know how inconvenienced in the household that would be? And here we are looking at this, and she had to live as a Nazarite herself. And we find this, this is exactly what she did. Take a look at over there in, in, in this passage in verse 12, where the, uh, um, where he's, you know, Manoah is asking this question. And, and, uh, in verse 13, it says, of all that I said unto the woman, let her beware. She had to beware of this. Not only does he say it there, but he also says it in verse 4. Now, when we say beware, you know, when we say beware, attack dog, beware, owner is worse than the attack dog, beware, this property is protected by Smith and Wesson, don't put that sign up, okay? Just don't. That's a bad thing. If anything ever happens for you, that's going to court, so just get rid of those, okay? <laughs> but you understand, we put we put signs on there, beware, bridge is out, beware of this, beware of that, beware, we beware. beware. She had to be aware of what was going on in her life. She had to be aware of all of the impacts that it was going to have. She had to be aware of everything that she touched. She had to be aware that she wasn't touching anything unclean, eating anything unclean, anything that was associated with grape. She had to be on high alert her entire life while she's raising this child. From the moment of preconception all the way till where Samson was living on his own. You want to talk about a lifestyle change? You want to talk about a change in a household? But I want you to know this. She willingly sacrificed that. She willingly sacrificed and she said, I'm going to do this. She said, I'm going to do these things. I'm going to, I'm going to follow after. This is what God told us to do. This is, and she even mentions that. She says, look, Manoah, God wouldn't have told us these things to do if he intended on killing us. If he gave us these commandments and he told us that we were going to do these things with this child, that he meant to preserve our lives. We just saw a miracle of God. We saw the angel of the Lord. We saw something that not everybody gets to see. Let's treasure that and let's move forward pleasing God. And here we are very clearly seeing this. And this is a vow. This is, and this again is by God's decree. She didn't have a choice in this. She didn't have a choice in this. 
But we don't see her complaining. There's no record in here. It's silent to that. It's silent to the complaining. It's silent to anything of the murmuring. It's silent to any of these things. So that we can assume what happened from the moment that he grows, that he's born to the point of where in chapter 14 we see Samson going out there looking for a wife. We can assume that she never had a problem with this. Now I want us to think about this for a moment. I want us to think about this. This was for the decree on her son's life. This was for a decree that was going to happen to her son. It was by God's decree, and she chose to do that. I mean, what would you do if, if tomorrow you're, you're at home, you're, you're getting ready for work maybe, or you're sleeping in or whatever it is you're doing, and, and knock on the door, or I should say your ring doorbell goes off. And you look at the ring doorbell, and there's this glowing being, being standing there. Like, what is that? So you try to answer it, and, and the person responds and says, could you open the door? I'm the angel of the Lord. I need to have a word with you. And you're probably not going to open the door. <laughs> so he just goes right through the door, okay? And the next thing you know, he's standing right there in front of you. And he gives you a decree. He says, I want you to do something. I want you to sacrifice something in your life and make your life inconvenient for someone else. But what do I get out of it, Lord? You're just being used. You you just do what's faithful. But I'm going to ask you to do something that really, honestly, not going to have a lot to do with you. It's going to have a lot to do with somebody else after you. Now, we think about something like that, and we may be a little reticent. We're like, well, hold on a second. Who is this person? Why am I doing it for them? Why do I have to go through this? Why can't that person do it? I mean, obviously, why couldn't God just have Samson, you know, when he's of age, you just decide and say, come to him and say, hey, I'm going to have you do this. No, Manoah's wife, Samson's mom, was learning something about God, about sacrificial service about serving the Lord even when it's uncomfortable, about serving the Lord even when it's inconvenient in your life, about following the will of God even when it means you're going to have to make some wholesale drastic changes to your household. She was learning a good lesson. And you know why she's learning that lesson? How in the world are you going to teach a child to be a Nazarite if you don't understand it? How is she going to teach Samson to be holy and to be consecrated to the Lord if she isn't doing that herself? I'll say it, and I'll say it till I'm blue in the face. <clears throat> Parents, moms, dads, I know this is Mother's Day, so I'm not just going to pick on moms today. I'm going to pick on, on both parents. Don't ever be a hypocrite. You know why? Because your kids will see it. And when your kids see it, 
you'll push them away from God. You'll cause them to struggle. You know what they need to see in your life? Holiness. Yeah, they may see you make mistakes. They may see you fail. But you know what? Man up, woman up, apologize, repent, ask for forgiveness, and move forward. Don't lay on the field as a casualty. That Somebody's got to step over your body. And make sure it's not your children that are stepping over it. You know what you have to do? You're going to have to do things that are not convenient. You're going to have to do things and teach them. And you know what? She wouldn't be able to do that if she wasn't living that life herself. Manoah wouldn't be able to do that if that wasn't part of their household now. Could you imagine that? Having that happen? Having somebody come up and say, hey, I, you know, mom, dad, I decided to be a Nazarite. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> Next thing you know is they're, they're having a wholesale clean out and they're calling up all their friends on their goats and saying, hey, why don't you come up over here and, you know, get all my oil and my, my grape leaves and my seeds and everything, you know, that I have that's a grape. Well, why? What's going on? Well, son said he's going to be a Nazarite. <laughs> a wholesale change, right? Manoah had to experience that too. But how in the world are they going to teach Samson how to do that if they don't do it themselves? And here, this is the, this is the point. She chose to obey to accomplish God's will. And you know, that's one of the greatest lessons that she could teach Samson. It's one of the greatest lessons to teach. You know, I mean, we obviously see some, some, a little bit of some conflict in Samson's life. They didn't always make the best choices, right? But what we do find is we do find that in the end, he still trusted God. And he made some big errors. The Lord still used him. The Lord still used him. The Lord still used David. The Lord still used Paul. The Lord still used Moses. Lord still used every single last person that ever had a flaw if they had that heart to please God. And she chose to obey to accomplish God's will for someone else, her child. And, and I tell you, this had a direct impact in Samson's life because he, he this, this would be from his mother. And I want to take, you know, take time just to mention this, you know, moms, you have a huge impact in the way your children behave. I mean, don't we always do that? Don't we always you know, kind of point out and say, oh, it's your daughter, it's your son when they do something wrong? Like all of a sudden it's only the, you know, it's only belongs to the, the other spouse. You know what generally that is? Is generally that's when you see something in them that you see in yourself. And you don't like seeing it. You don't like that conviction. Isn't that great? God gives you these little conviction monsters that live with you. (laughs) And they run around and, and they say the exact same things you say. And you say, don't say that. And they're like, but you say it. And you're like, (laughs) doing exactly what you do. Sometimes ten times worse. Well, I never did it to that degree. Look, are we going to go in degrees of sin? 
Seriously, we're going to go there? No, we're not going to go there. That same rebellion you see is the same rebellion you have in your life. Guess who taught it to them? So we have to be very understanding with this and realize that we have a huge impact. You realize Samson's mom had a huge impact in his life, the way that he was supposed to be taught to be holy unto God? Now, obviously, he's had some issues with that. He had some struggles. But she's teaching him this. Parents, listen up. You are going to be the most impact in your child's life. Do not delegate it to anyone else. Do not delegate it to a school system. And I'll tell you this, don't delegate it to a youth pastor or a Sunday school teacher or anyone else. You should be the one that represents God in their life. You should be the one that teaches them what is holy and acceptable unto God. You, the parents. Moms, you have such a huge impact. And some of you are like, well, praise God, they're moved out and they're on their own now. <laughs> no, it never ends. And everybody that has grandchildren said amen. Because <laughs> why? Now you've got grandchildren, you gotta teach that too. Because maybe, maybe the parents aren't teaching it. Maybe they didn't learn the lesson. Whatever it may be, whatever happens there, you know what, you're still teaching your kids. You're, you still, just because they, you know, 18, and you're like, 18, praise God, get a job, get out the door, you know? <laughs> and they're gone, and they're, you're like, phew, I don't have to worry about them anymore. Liar. You know how many mothers still sit there today, even when their children are like 48, 49 years old, and weep and cry over them? You don't never stop being a mother. You never stop being a father. Unless you willingly choose to forsake what God has given you. You know what? You still need to be holy. You still need to be holy. Samson's mom made a huge impact on his life. She had to maintain that from the minute of the commandment throughout this entire life. And I'll tell you this, moms, your obedience to the will of God will impact the life of your child. Moms, your obedience to the will of God will impact the child that God has given you. Whether you are obedient or whether you are disobedient, you will have an effect. You will have an effect. Now, somebody may say, well, you know, my child didn't make the best choices. My child, you know, I get that. You know what? We also have to understand this. A child's are going to make their own choices. You can teach them everything that's holy and righteous, and, and you can live that life, and they still make the wrong choices. I mean, crying out loud. The disciples were with Jesus Christ for over three years, and they all left him. 
We still see that happen. I mean, they were with our Savior. They were receiving stuff that we don't even know what they, I mean, we only have a little like smidgen of what he said while he was here on earth. Man, I would love to see the books that John said can't even be filled with all the stuff that he did and said. Man, it would be amazing. They got to see that. That, 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 that period of time when Jesus Christ was here on earth in his ministry, they got to see all that. But they still forsook him. So I understand. I understand every person has a choice, but your, your obedience will have an impact. It will have a huge impact in their life. That sacrifice, being a Nazarite, again, as I said, wasn't convenient. She had to follow these commands. And, and, and you know what? There was an effect on Samson. If she didn't do it, if she wasn't aware, if she wasn't watching things, one slip up, one slip up. Sometimes people, you know, they want to prepare meals or invite us over for dinner or something like that. And then they begin to hear about, you know, my family's allergies. They begin to hear what I'm allergic to and they're just sitting there going, you want some bread and flour? Because I can put that out. You know, <laughs> it's just like, what, what, what do we even feed you? You know, and, and it just comes to a point of where you're just like, put out whatever you're going to put out. It's fine. Um, it just if I excuse myself a little bit later because I'm doubled over in pain, don't worry about it. Don't take events. <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> no. But you understand? I want you to see it had a huge effect. What she ate? Could you imagine? Them going over to their friend's house. And they're like getting ready. Oh, did that have any grapes in it? Yeah, it's got raisins. Nope, can't have it. Uh, how, how, how did you prepare that lamb? Well, I rubbed it down with grapeseed. Nope, I can't have it. Are, are those palm leaves or are those, uh, are those grape leaves? Nope, can't have it. You're like, fine. <laughs> Get, get, get frustrated, get upset. I mean, these are things that had effects on people. She had to be careful of that. Because again, one of those slip-ups, you realize she had to perform this vow, and we have a hard time just keeping the word of God. And she only had a limited amount that she was supposed to do. That had an effect. That had an effect on Samson. That had an effect on the way he lived. That had an effect on his childhood. That had an effect on the way he was brought up. That had an effect in the way that he was, it was being taught. And you know what? For the whole purpose that it would have an effect on a nation. Moms, you don't know what your obedience to the will of God will do in a child's life so that he or she will have an impact on somebody else's life to come. He was to deliver a nation from bondage, to begin that deliverance, to start a great work. Your obedience to the will of God can impact what happens later on to a far greater number of people. Don't sit there and say, but it's my life. That's the selfish mentality. The godly mentality is, 
this is God's will. I will do it. I will do it. And as I said, since she, since she lived it, that was the only way she could teach Samson how to do it. How to be careful. How to be aware. How to be cognizant of everything she did. How to walk circumspectly. How to be holy. How to do the will of God. She lived it in her life. And I want to close with this. As we take a look at this and we go back there to verse 5. It says, For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, no razor shall come on his head. And the child shall be a Nazarite and the God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. I want to say this. Mothers, your devotion to God will directly impact other people in your life. And I want to bring this back for every Christian. Every Christian. Your devotion to pleasing God to doing His will, to be obedient, will have an impact on others in your life. It'll have an impact on the youth in this church. It'll have an impact on younger adults than you. It'll have an impact on older adults. It will have an impact on every believer that is here. You know, people make some decisions and, and, and some bad decisions sometimes. And we don't always understand the impact that it has until we actually feel that ripple hit us. Manoah's wife, man, she was a good woman. What did she do? She had a desire, very specifically, to please God in such a way that she was going to follow all that God had that was going to affect her husband, that was going to be edifying to him, that was going to be edifying to her her children, that would be edifying around everyone else. That's the impact that we have in this life. Let's not forsake it. Let's not forget it. Moms, even if your kids aren't home, continue to live that life that's consecrated and holy unto Him that you will continue to have an impact in your child's life. It never stops. It never stops. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, again, I thank You for the time, and I thank You again for this opportunity, Lord. To just see in your your word and your scripture, Lord, the impact that we have in other people's lives. May we understand this simple concept this morning, Lord, as we come together to, to celebrate and be thankful and grateful for the moms that we have. Lord, to realize that whether they were a good example or whether they were a bad example, that, Lord, we can clearly see what the desire from you in scripture is. Lord, may we seek to please you, to do your will, that others may see 
and see that impact that is there. Thank you again, Lord, for our, for the mom that you gave to me and her teaching, her instruction. Thank you for the, the wife you gave to me and her continual diligence to please you and to teach our daughters what is right and what is holy. Lord, may we have that same desire to have an impact for the things that are righteous in the lives of others that are around us. Thank you again, Lord, for this time. And this I ask and pray in your Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.